This is Iron Mike Stedman. And as always, I want to thank you for tuning into my show, the legendary Dog Whistle Brandon. When I first started podcasting back in February of 2020, just before the pandemic and the death of George Floyd, my focus was on exploring race, culture, and business from the perspective of an African-American veteran. My first podcast, Confessions of a Native Son, was a little spicy and gave me space to discuss some uncomfortable topics. It also gave me an opportunity to leverage my academic background studying African-American history and American studies. You're probably saying to yourself, okay, Iron Mike, but what the heck does this have to do with Dog Whistle Brandon? One of my frustrations for the longest time in the veteran space was a lack of agency. That's one of the reasons I wrote the book Black Veteran Entrepreneur and also why I'm excited about today's guest, Ruben Ayala, an Army veteran, Green Beret, and co-founder of Triple Nickel, a veteran-owned streetwear brand promoting unity and honoring veterans of all shades and color. The name Triple Nickel is derived from the 555th Parachute Infantry Regiment, an all-black unit formed during World War II in 1943. Ruben, along with his three co-founders, saw an opportunity to launch the brand after George Floyd's death, when so many other veteran brands took a polarizing position, alienate minority veterans like Ruben and I. On the show, we discuss why so many of us felt alienated from the mainstream veteran narrative regarding social issues, how Triple Nickel is changing that, and what the future holds for Ruben and his team. Before we jump into the show, I need two favors from you. Number one, Drop us a review on iTunes and let us know what you think of the show. And number two, if you haven't done so already, check out my first book, Black Veteran Entrepreneur, Validate Your Business Model, Build Your Brand, and Step Into Greatness, available on Amazon at the link in the show notes. All right, enough of me talking. Gunny, get them ready. Yo, saddle up, lock and load. You're listening to Dog Whistle Branding, brought to you by the team at Ironbound Media and Flawless Acceleration, where we're building the next generation of confident, resilient, and badass entrepreneurs and brands to keep you in the fight and not face down in a rice paddy. I'm your host, Iron Mike Stedman, the godfather of Dog Whistle Branding, founder of Ironbound Media, and head of brand at Flawless Acceleration. Before we jump into the show, Make sure you subscribe to our newsletter at the link in the show notes or visit our website, dogwhistlebranding.com to stay up to date on all things DWB and FA. All right, get out your pen and paper and get ready to build a dog whistle brand. Saddle up, lock and load. Ruben, my brother, welcome to Dog Whistle Branding. Thank you for having me, Mike. I appreciate you. Y'all kicking up some dirt over there at Triple Nickel, Ruben. I remember when it first dropped, I was like, ooh, that's hot. That's hot. And I was like, oh, man, that brand's going to ruffle quite a few feathers. But y'all yes. are still in the fight, man. That's why when I saw y'all at the Military Influencer Conference, man, it was nothing but love. Because yeah. as a black veteran entrepreneur, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. from Texas, right? Yeah. There was a time where I would, and even still, man, you walk in rooms where you're one-on-one, you know? And one-on-one. people don't understand the importance of having agency You know, whether it's rocking certain apparel or, you know, you go into certain events and people look like you and you feel reflected. And I mean, it's no secret in the veteran space, right? Like we got a lot of brands that don't necessarily reflect everyone. And I think what y'all are doing, it's like, damn, I see myself just like when I wrote my book, Black Veteran Entrepreneur, man. So I still have to say I'm honored to have you on the platform to talk all things triple nickel. Well, I'm I'm happy to be here. I'm, I'm looking forward to talk about all of that and everything you said is it resonates with me and, and the reason why we started the brand. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy to jump in. So let's start by having you introduce yourself to everyone and talk about Triple Nickel. Yeah. So for those who don't know who I am, I heard of me before. I'm Ruben Ayala and a little bit about me. So you guys understand why I got a weird name. So I'm from Puerto Rico originally. I'm Caribbean by, by nature, by law. I'm born and raised in Puerto Rico and found my way here to the United States with my mom back in the early 80s. English is my second language. And, you know, I grew up partially in Texas. So I claim Texas to San Antonio. From, from, from Texas, I joined the Army 
I spent my career in the army and, and in the army, I did a whole lot of different jobs, man. I, I was like part Jamaican in the army. And I started out as a legal specialist, typing up memorandums on typewriters back in the 90s, then became an officer, was in the infantry, did a little stint in the communications field, hated that, ended up in special forces. And that's where I did the rest of my time. So I did a myriad of jobs. I did the admin side. I did the combat arms side. I did the special operations side. So I, I got a good knowledge of, of what it is to be, uh, to be a soldier. And from there, I fell into entrepreneurship. I went to the executive MBA program at University of Texas to figure out what it really takes to, to run a business, to own a business. I thought that would be the best course of action for me and, and got my feet wet and being a civilian again and, and started a company. And sold that company and, and, and then started Triple Nickel. And, and here I am talking with you today. Where did you do your undergrad at? I did my undergrad at the University of Texas in San Antonio. And you got your, you did your executive MBA there also? I did. Yeah. So that's, I, I started, I started out in Fayetteville State University when I was in Fayetteville, which is a HBCU in North Carolina. and when I got out, I, I transferred over to, well, I had to start over again and, and, and finished up in, at the University of Texas in San Antonio. And that's badass. I think that's cool, man. One thing about the military, you know, a lot of people are taking advantage of this education opportunities because you get out, you see how expensive this stuff is. So kudos is. to you for knocking it out while on active duty. I'm going to talk to you off, all, offline about that executive <laughs> MBA um, or, and whether the juice was worth the squeeze for like a small business owner. It is, man. You know, quick story about that. When you talk about the dollars and cents aspect of it, I started the MBA process when I was active duty and it was just difficult. I was deploying all the time, taking accounting courses here. And I was I was a criminal justice undergrad, so I had no business background. So I had to take a lot of courses to get into the MBA program. When I got out and got into this full-time executive MBA program, I had to take all those classes again. And that's an $80,000 executive MBA program. That's a lot of money, you know, but with the GI Bill, and I was, I was able to pay for that. So, you know, for, for, for people getting out and looking to, to push the reset button, do not sleep on the GI Bill and all of the things that it can afford you. Yeah, man, I knocked my master's out at Rutgers, but it wasn't in business it was american studies because at the time i thought i was gonna be a boxing historian so i was like yo i want to study i want to get my master's in boxing you know what can i study and so i just finessed and made it work but you know here we are now talk to us about triple nickel man when did you come up with the idea for that yeah i love to talk about this because triple nickel is a bystander product of the situation that i saw in the landscape. So January 2020 starts out like any normal year. I'm a business owner. I owned a I owned a healthy vending company. So I own vending machines and markets all throughout the city. We deliver, we delivered, I don't own it anymore, but we delivered healthy foods all over the place, had coffee, all kinds of stuff. I had no yearnings of owning a clothing business. So I just want to put that out there. Okay. So January 1st, I, I wasn't in the business of wanting to do clothing. Once COVID shut everything down and it gave me the opportunity to see what was happening across industries. And I was stuck at home with my kids when they were in school, aren't, weren't able to go to school. I started to see all of these advertisers because I'm a veteran. I started getting bombarded with all these advertisements, you know, the, you know, all the different companies, the Grunt Styles and Nine Lines, the Black Rifles of the world. And one common thing I saw across the board with all of these companies. Number one is if you're a veteran, you are this hyper, you are this hyper commando secret squirrel type person. Number two you look like Thor, white guy, huge beard, tattoos all over, you know, something that came out of this, you know, crazy gene pool. And three, they were all spouting the same thing. So 
you know, for me and my background, I love hip hop. I love hip hop culture. I love the communities from where we come from and the richness of it. Having spent my time in the military and seeing the diverseness of it, I wasn't seeing that readily displayed within these companies. So as I look, took a deep dive, I said, okay, if I wanted to support one of these companies, where are the people that look like me, number one? Number two, where are the styles that cater to people like me? And I didn't see them. So naturally, as a business person, you start seeing white space because I didn't see any companies that were out there like that. So I saw a gap in the market and started just developing a plan to say, okay, if if I created a clothing company, what would that look like? I have no idea how to make clothing. Who would I want to partner with? Because at this point, I wouldn't want to do something locally. It would have to be national. So at that point, I knew I needed a partner or partners to help me get there because I wasn't operating at that level. So when we talk about the the origin story, that is the triple nickel origin story is seeing something that wasn't there in the market for people like us. I think we should make it plain for the listeners, right? Because they're like, what are y'all talking about? There's clothing brands out there that cater to veterans that are mm-hmm. hyper-masculine, hyper-aggressive. And then when there's ever a case of, let's say, I don't know, a shooting or something that is very sensitive to the black and brown community, sometimes these brands always take the opposite position. Like, yeah. let's just be honest, right? Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so when they do that, it's almost like putting a thumb in the eye of a lot of us that have served yes, are still serving, right? And don't feel represented. It's like, damn, I mean, you get caught, a cop can get caught red-handed doing something to a black person, and instantly it's a Blue Lives Matter situation. It's like, damn, like, yeah. can we not practice, like, reactive versus reflective thinking? Like, yeah. you know, like, can we at least get to the... It, I don't know how to say it, man. I feel like I'm trying my best to articulate this, right? Because people love to take little snippets. Yes. But at the end of the day, it feels like very rarely do you see these veteran brands take a stand and stand up for yes. black and brown people yes. when it's clearly something that's a wrong that has been done or something. Yes. So uh, a good a good case in point to that would be you know, man, 2020 brought us so much craziness within the country, right? Between the the election coming up, the murders of George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, the division within the country, you got COVID-19. And I, be- I, I don't remember what company it was, but it was shortly after George Floyd was, 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 was murdered. One of the companies took this blue blue lives matter position to the maximum and it, it disgusted me and I, I think that was that was at that point that I said you know what enough is enough I can bitch about it or I can do something about it and it, it was at that point I decided we're going to create a company that is the antithesis of all of these companies out here and it's gonna take guys like us who came from the special operations community to do it especially being people of color, because we have to be able to walk into a room with authority, number one. Number two, we have to be able to sit at the same table a lot of these guys claim to be at. And, and as, as sad as it is, you know, that's, 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 that's just the hierarchy of a lot of the veteran community as it is, man. So, you know, I, I, don't, I, I think we would have had a hard time to do this if we didn't have the backgrounds that we did. Yeah, you know, I even think about myself, right? It just hits different. African-American, Naval Academy grad, Marine Infantry officer, you know, veteran fellow. They be like, damn, like, I can't, I can't, I can't run no game on Mike, right? He's coming correct. Entrepreneur. Yeah, bro. So, you know, we speak from a different lens, right? And I think it's easy sometimes, like, it's easy to shut out people that you're like, oh, man, that's because they live in the hood or they're not part of our culture or community. But it's like, damn, like, I'm part of your culture and your tribe, and I'm saying this stuff. Like, why is it taking you so long to listen? I think the interesting thing that happened with George Floyd was 
I I jokingly tell people that was the day America found out we were all black. Because, <laughs> you know, you carry this stuff around for the longest time, right? Like, you know, and you're like, is this in my head? People are telling you, oh, that doesn't exist, yada, yada, yada. Then as soon as George Floyd happened, it was like a light switch went on. And all of a sudden, my phone was getting blown up. And it's like that moment you realize, like, you're not crazy. And right. you get a little emotional about it. And I actually Correct. talked about it on my other past podcast, Confessions of a Native Son. And just so much stuff just kind of came to light from that whole situation. And I saw, again, the Triple Nickel brand emerge from it. And I think what's also cool about what you guys are doing, too, is bringing history, like leveraging history. Like, I'm a history major. I said I got my master's in American studies. You know, growing up, all I heard was Massachusetts 54th and the Mumford Point Marines. Maybe the Harlem Hellfighters, a little Maybe. bit older. Maybe. 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 Right? But that's about it. In terms mm -hmm. of like, you know, black representation, like in World War II, you know, World War One and stuff, et cetera. And so then I start seeing this five, five, five. I'm like, yo, talk to me. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that was a conscious decision because so we. As a veteran owned brand, it's easy to say, OK, I'm going to name this after something provocative, put a rifle, put a gun on it, put some crossed arrows, cross whatever, whatever your branch was, you put that on it, a globe and anchor, right? So everybody knows you are this, this is your tribe. And we did not want to do that. But so this is where the split comes from, which ties in nicely to your podcast, right? Because we're talking about marketing. You, in this day and age, you need to have a story. And we needed a story to anchor our business too. We're just not making clothing. We wanted to make clothing with a statement. We know diversity had to be a part of it. And what was the common ground between myself and all my founders is was we all started out our careers in the 82nd Airborne Division. And if you're black, you have any, 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 any black ancestry in your blood, and you are a paratrooper, at least in my day when you came in, you knew about the 555 because that's your lineage. And that was, you know, they have a great name, the Triple Nickels. And, you know, that was that what that's the name that kept ringing in my head. We need to be the Triple Nickels. So when we started the company. I had my my partner, Rod Graham, he's our chief chief operating officer, go to the association and talk to the OGs and say, hey, we want to start this company. We don't want no beef. We want to name it Triple Nickel. Are you guys okay with it? And they were really cool with it. They just asked us to name it N-I-K-E-L and not the traditional way you name it, Nickel. So that's why when you look at Nickel, it's N-I-K-E-L because that's what the OGs asked us to do because we got respect for those guys. So, you know, there's a lot of people that, that they look at the name, they say we can't spell, you know, tongue in cheek, try to throw shade, but it's all done for a purpose. And can you, share some, can you share some more insight onto the Triple Nickels for our listeners that aren't familiar with that strong history? Yeah. So the Triple Nickels, it, it, we, we got to go back in time to day and age when America was segregated, when the military was segregated. In 1942, the Department of Defense wanted to try a, a, a test to see if black people could effectively jump out of airplanes, just like their white counterparts could. I mean, I'm not making this up. So they got a small contingent, a test platoon of 17 gentlemen and said, OK, if you guys can make it through airborne training. We're going to start this unit. So out of the 17, 16 graduated and they became the original 555th airborne test platoon. And from there, those guys. Went on to become the 555th parachute infantry battalion. Now, this was during the time of World War II. They were good enough to jump out of airplanes, but not good enough to go to combat and take their skills and put them to the test. So what they did was they relegated those gentlemen to fight forest fires. So small bit of history, the Japanese would deploy thousands of Japanese balloon bombs from the Japanese coast, you know, off of their ships in the Pacific, and they would float over the western coast of the United States, primarily like Oregon, 
Washington, you know, the way that those currents blow and they would create these forest fires. And at the time, the Department of Defense was afraid that, you know, they didn't know what, what was inside these balloons, whether it was biological agents, whether it was just fires they were starting. So, so what do you do? It's like, yo, we got these, we got these black dudes, man, that are parachuting. Let's, let's send them over there. Let's drop them in and let's have them stop these forest fires, right? I don't know what's in them, but they're going to find out. So the 555th was relegated to fight these forest fires. And what they did was, you know, they started coming up with doctrine on smoke jumping. So if you go to any of these smoke jumper facilities around the country, you know, these fire stations where they got smoke jumpers, you know, a lot of their lineage goes back to the 555th because they were, you know, some of the country's original smoke jumpers. It's It's a fascinating history how they were relegated to be test subjects to, to fight these forest fires. And, and they developed a lot of doctrines still used today. Man, that's great history. And I love the fact that y'all are leveraging that, you know, with, with your brand. And I tell people even with Ironbound Boxing, right? Like, I don't have to sell boxing. Muhammad Ali, Muhammad Ali sold it more than I ever could. Right. You know, so I'm just borrowing a lot of that brand credibility that he helped establish through Ironbound Boxing, because everybody wants to be a champ, right? I think Correct. about Triple Nickel. I think about paying that homage to veterans that came before us that didn't necessarily have a lot of the platforms we had. It's like, damn, it's so easy to just throw on a triple, triple nickel shirt or rock a hat and, you know, feel good about yourself while also, you know, again, recognizing the history that we come from. Because I do think, like, up until recently, right, there was only a small contingent of us that actually cared about, like, the history of minorities in the military. You know, you go to the events or an association, like you said, the triple nickels, and it'd be a quiet little event or something. But now I do think, and I, I really speak to this truly, that a lot of this current generation, they're actually curious and hungry and want to be associated with it too. So I think sometimes the friction we can run up against are really the old heads stuck in their ways without a growth mindset. And so, yeah, man, I love everything that y'all are doing with it. And so I want to ask you this, right? How did you actually launch the brand and how was it received? Yeah, all, all good questions. So launching the brand, this is this is what I thought. And I'm going to tell you what happened because th- there may be somebody out there. This is applicable, I think, to any business. You know what I thought and I. Because two of my co-founders are also special forces guys, we we speak a lot of the same language. Kurt is, is the odd man out. So, you know, we kind of rope him along like, hey, man, this is how <laughs> this is how we're doing things. I feel bad for him sometimes. You know, we, we got to bring him up to speed. But we we created this concept kind of like a direct action hit. We kept it secret and we said we're going to launch on November 11th and we're just going to come out of nowhere. We, you know, we, we we locked down all the social media handles. We didn't make the live the, the site live. We we're just going to do just a mass email blast and just come out of nowhere. And in my mind, we were just going to knock everybody's door down. Like, yo, where these guys come from, man? We're going to kill it. We're going to sell like 400 shirts in a day. So we, that's what we did. It was a surprise, a surprise, hasty raid, if you will, or a well-laid ambush. You know, if you want to look at it in military terms, but it didn't go off like that. You know, we, we launched and it was like, yeah. <laughs> You know, we reached we reached our, our, our core network and that was it. We we quickly realized to get national mass appeal, it was probably a better idea, man, to, to put in some work prior to and get the brand out there. But that's that's how it went, man. We 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 had this idea to to do this surprise, you know, direct action raid that was really well planned out. But the the execution of it was well, but it wasn't received like we thought it was going to be, be received. You know, we didn't get the Instagram followers or the Facebook followers we thought we were going to get overnight. So why yeah. do you think that is? And what do you mean by work specifically? When I say work, because in my mind, you know, I thought between the four of us, you know, we had this really strong network that everybody was going to share it with their friends and their friends was going to share it with their friends. And it was going to be this revolutionary thing. And it was going to draw people to us. And I'm seriously, I thought I was going to sell like, like 400 shirts, like the first week. (laughs) 
it didn't work that way. You know, it, it took us, it took us almost a year to, to develop enough steam to really start making ripples in the community. And I, and I quickly realized how big the nation is, you know, to get people to part with their dollars around your vision is a hard thing to do, man. And, you know, I have successfully run my business at a local level. Cortez had the military influencer conference. Chris had his business with, with, with the Green Beret media. Rod is a golf professional. And between all of us, we thought we could corner this market in a short period of time, but it didn't work that way. I think that's just entrepreneurship in general, if I'm being honest, right? And Jim oh, no Collins describes it as every time you launch a venture, it's like turning a, turning a giant heavy flywheel, right? So you got to get some momentum going. And at first, it's like stuck. Then it starts spinning. It starts spinning. Get faster and faster. You put more pressure on it. And you're actually taking action. So there's a whole map for the flywheel that I go over in my book, BV, Black Bread Entrepreneur. But eventually, it starts spinning. Most people aren't ready to put in the work, like you said, to get the damn thing spinning. Right. And I think one thing I've learned when I launch ventures, I do a couple of things. I try to launch a behind the scenes before I go public. I'm like, yo, are people buying what I'm selling? And the other thing is thinking about like, what's a foothold I can go after? You know, where can you gain that initial foothold and really dial it in instead of trying to like blast it out to everyone? It's like, what's a demographic? What's a group? What's a something that I can really leverage and get it to spread internally in there? Yeah. I, and, and I agree with you 100 percent. Obviously, you know, we have a lot of lessons learned. If we had to do it all over again, what would we do? We, I mean, we've done great. But what we were able to do. I, I don't recommend everybody do it, too. That's that's the other part I didn't talk about. We created this company in 60 days. So that's how that's how on fire. I was about what I saw. I had no idea about how to make clothing, how to print t-shirts. Neither does any of my co-founders. In 60 days, we put together this company and we knew there was somebody out there with the same idea we had because everything that was going on in the country, I was like, somebody is going to come out with the same thing. Somebody's going to have the same idea. We need to come to market and we need to blow everybody away. And we put it together in 60 days and we launched, you know, and with no experience. I don't recommend anybody does that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it, but, you know, obviously it's, it's worked out well. But, you know, I, if we if we each individually didn't have the the experience that we've had in entrepreneurship, it would not have worked. I don't think because at the rate that we were running, if you're a runner. We're running about a five mile pace, you know, and the average entrepreneur looking to start a company, you're running at about 10 to 11 minutes per mile when you first started. We're running fast. Like, yo, you need to do this. You need to do that. You need to do this. You need to do that. And yeah, it was an op tempo. It was a very uncomfortable pace, man. And, but, you know, again, it, it worked out. I'm glad that we're, we're here and we can talk about those things, but you know, it's, it's a, it's an honest assessment that. I thought we were going to conquer the world in the first 30 days, but not nah, it didn't work out that way. So there were two sides to my question. When I asked you, how was it received? I also was curious to know how it was received by the veteran community. So and particularly so, your peers in the special forces. Man, I'm going to be honest. So I, I would say as a, as a whole, as an aggregate, the veteran community has really received it extremely well. I thought what I thought was going to happen didn't happen. I thought we were going to ruffle so many feathers. We we're going to be almost on the defense as much as we were on the offense. But I think people were just so thirsty for what we were putting down that has been extremely well received. And the amount of pushback we've received as a whole in the veteran community has really outnumbered any of the negative feedback we were going to, I thought we were going to receive. In the special operations community, I say it's 50-50. So when you look at the special operations community as a whole, 
as an aggregate is extremely conservative, extremely alt-right, you very two-way, very blue lives, blue lives, you know, in that category. And it's very white. So a lot of our peers, I, I got so many messages like, what are you doing? Putting these designs out. I don't think your company's going to last. I don't recommend that you do this. I don't understand why you're doing this. And we just kept pushing forward. So it, it's almost like that, that video that you see of the, the, the lonely guy running down the hill and slowly but surely everybody follows behind him. That's how the special operations community is. And we, we're still, there's still a few of us running down. And even within, I hate to say, man, even within our own community, I'm talking about the, the, the black brothers and, and the special operations community, man, we, 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 we still haven't garnered a lot of their support. <laughs> it's, it's a tough nut to crack, man. I hate to say it. Yeah. Well, I, one of the beauties of being an entrepreneur, man, sometimes you can, you know, put blinders on those people. You ain't got to pay attention to them. You know, early on, you're trying to please everyone and yada, yada, yada. But at a certain point, you got to protect your own energy, you know? Yeah. And I, I, you know, like I said, man, like I could think that all y'all being special forces rolling out with this brand, I know y'all were ruffling feathers and that people probably didn't say stuff to you directly, but they were thinking it behind the scenes. But yet here you are hooking and jabbing still. Oh, yeah, man. I, I got a one day, man, I'm going to drop a story. There's a prominent organization, man, in our community that did not want to support us. I, I wanted their support really bad because I knew having their having their blessing would mean that we were co-signed by one of the bigger uh, organizations in, in, in our community. And they chose not to because we were a liability. Why were we a liability? Because of what we looked like. And if they openly supported what we were doing, they would lose donors. And it's a true story, man. And, you know, one day, you know, I'm going to put it out there. But, you know, today, you know, we'll just talk about it in generic terms, man. But it was we did not get we did not get the support that I thought we would we would we would receive from our own community. So how did you get past the cold start problem? So you get all hyped up, right? Y'all got the socials. You launch day one. And it's like a little bit of crickets, not pure crickets, but, you know, you sell some T-shirts, but nothing that you plan for. And you said it took almost a year before things start really moving. What was it that really got things moving forward? It's tenacity. It's what, it's all, it's what it boils down to. You know, there's a there's a crazy combination that we have within our partnership. It's we have experience, number one. You know, at, at that point, I've already been an entrepreneur for six years, you know, successfully. Kurt has been an entrepreneur now, I think, just as equal amount of time. Same thing with Chris. Rod and I, we work together. We deployed together. We've we've shared crazy hardships together. So our background, we just don't quit. So the tenacity of continuing to move and knowing that we have a good story, we have a product, that's what kept us going. And not taking no for an answer not letting naysayers get us down and utilizing our network. So yeah, our network didn't quite work in the first 30 days. But one thing that now, almost three years later, looking back at it, anytime you drop a new a new brand, man, people need to digest it and see what's going on. You know, you're not going to get, you know, immediate response and immediate feedback. People need to see what's going on. And, and, that, and that's OK. You need to factor that into your plan. And that's what people were doing in those first 12 months. They were looking at us. Like, do these guys got what it takes? Are they going to are when I order something, are they going to are they going to fulfill it in a in a decent amount of time? And is the shirt going to feel good? Are they making quality products? I wasn't thinking about all that. So and, I have a theory about this, right? Go for it. I think when you're doing apparel and I think it's good for our listeners, too, right? Because you think on one hand, all right. Do you have any kind of real innovation? You know what I'm saying? Like, think about when Under Armour initially rolled out, right? It was a new product type. So it wasn't just apparel. It was the type of apparel that they were making. that They were getting, that's their business model. Okay, so that's one aspect. But when you start talking about, okay, you're creating a, a brand, right, to pay homage and history, et cetera, et cetera, that's a little different business model, right? 
what is it that draws people into that? And like you said, it's really story. But more importantly than that, I think you're creating a movement. And I like to use Deion Sanders as an example, right? I haven't wrote about this in my newsletter, but I plan to. But, yo, when Deion Sanders was ruffling feathers at Jackson State, you know, you best believe I thought about ordering my Jackson State snapback, right, or T-shirt, you know, the little jersey and stuff, because it represented something bigger. Like, it represented a movement that he was starting. And I think when you launch an apparel brand, that's what people are, that's really what you have to tap into. You've got to tap into this movement that people want to be a part of. And when they rep your gear, they're actually making a statement about who they are and how they're showing up to the world. That is, that's 100% true. And that timeline you cannot control. Right. And the sooner that you understand that, the better off you'll be. And again, it's just you, you cannot be naive to think that you can develop mass appeal in a short period of time, unless you have the right friends. You know, there's a, there's a, there's a brand that's called, that's called Actively Black. Don't know if you, you've heard of this. I haven't. So Actively Black reminds me of this. They're, they're very much like FUBU. So the CEO, he's a former NBA player, good friends with Steph Curry and, you know, all these other popular players. And I was listening to his story. And before he launched Actively Black, he had Actively Faithful or Act of Faith, something like that. But, you know, his story is similar. But, you know, he talks about, you know, his hardships. But, you know, his first year, he's 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 cranking out 500,000. But. You know, the reality is, man, when you got friends like Steve Curry and, and Jeremy Lin and guys like that rocking your stuff. It's easy when you are a veteran owned company and your friends are all guys who've never been on social media because you've had this, you know, you've had secretive jobs and and all of y'all are old, by the way, and you don't know how to work these things. It's going to take a little bit longer. And, you know, these are all things that, you know, as long as you you're going into it and you are you are realistic with yourself that it's it takes time. I, I think it'll 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 help the mental part of it of of having patience. I think this is important for people to understand. And I had this all the time with, you know, entrepreneurs that see another brand doing something and they're like, oh, we should do this or whatever. It's like, listen, let's use prom time as an example. He's effing prom time. You know what I'm saying? This ain't his first rodeo. This is three year, 30 some fucking 40 years of brand building he's done. So when he Rolls out to a Jackson State, he's getting attention that some of us might not get. They'll be like, congratulations, you know, Iron Mike and Ruben, you know, good luck. And so these are things that you got to factor in, right? Because it does take time to build a brand. But that's why I like platforms like this, podcasting in general, creating content that resonates with people. And I think, and this is just me putting on my brand strategy hat, right? When I think about Triple Nickel, right? I think there's a power into telling these stories and creating space for others like myself and all these other, you know, black and brown, yellow, green, whatever veterans that don't necessarily always feel represented, you know, in media, you know, our perspectives or stuff that's important to us. You know, and I think having space where we could come talk about that stuff and, you know, like people are overjoyed on, on the book that I wrote, mainly because it makes them feel seen. And I think there's an opportunity what you guys are doing to continue doing that through apparel. I, I concur, man. We so I we we have these I, I have a, a text group. And it's funny, Chris and I were in Ohio two months ago and I was talking with Donnell. We were texting with Donnell of Veterans Growing America. And I said, That's you know what, guy. man? Shout out to Donnell. Shout out yeah, to Donnell. Shout out. DJ's DJ, if you ask DJ, he's the fifth. He's like the fifth triple nickel. He's like he's he's like Eddie Kane, man, in, in the five heartbeats. So <laughs> we were talking and throwing out this idea. It's like, man, wouldn't it be dope if we created a group me of, you know, certain business owners within our community where, you know, you may have a question and you could just text in there openly without having any bias and everybody's got each other's back. Say, hey, man, what do y'all think about this? 
and it's gone. And it's an instant feedback. Somebody, anybody can jump in and just, you know, and we, we, we never did anything, but I, I, that, I think that's something we were looking at, at starting and just inviting certain people because there is, there is value in being able to have these open conversations when, and, you know, as a quick story, when I came to the United States in the early eighties, I didn't speak English. My mother wanted me to lose my accent as fast as possible. She knew about the discrimination I would, that, you know, I would face. Fast forward to today, you know, having multiple languages under your belt, it doesn't matter if you have an accent, man, that is an asset. Back then it wasn't. And I think that in this day and age, that diversity that people that we have is such an asset. And I think that that is when, you know, the talking to, to these younger guys and gals, especially coming into business, they want to see businesses that are vulnerable like that, that have those stories that they want to get behind and not so constrained to, you know, being so corporate, if that makes sense. It does, man. I remember those days, right? You know, they tell you not to have a black name, <laughs> you know, True. because you yeah. can't get a job, right? They're yeah, going to like man. read the application like, who is Jabari? Nah, we're not interested. And all of a sudden, Black Panther made it cool. But no, I remember that stuff growing up, man. You know, mm -hmm. and I think it's interesting how you kind of transition social classes, right? Become an officer, get your degree, whatever. You get removed, in a sense, from a lot of those conversations. You but I live in Newark, New Jersey, the brick city, you know? So I, I walk through different classes every single day, you know, just going to get a bottle of water, grab lunch for myself, because, you know, it's a rough city. It's, an urban, it's the urban environment. And so I'm a lot closer to the inner city than most people really are. So I see what it's like at the ground level. Now, I got to give you a shout out for something, Ralph. So when I'm getting my master's in American studies, right? Mm -hmm. I have to take a, a research seminar on sexuality and sexual politics. And I told the program director, I'm not taking this class. Don't, what are you doing? Whatever, yada, yada, yada. Because at the time, I was still a freshly transitioned Marine. I had my head shaved, protein shaker. I'm like, why am I taking sexuality and sexual politics? But then I end up taking a class and it opened me up to a history that I didn't know about in terms of a lot of discrimination faced by the LGBTQ community in the military, right? And one of the stories that I learned about was Stonewall. So that was something I was like, damn, you got to be in the know to know. And so when I saw you at Mick rocking a Stonewall shirt, like, that was the old version of woke. You remember back in the day? They'd be like, oh, I see you, brother. Like, you, 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 I see you, I see you. It wasn't what this stuff is now, but it was a different, it just meant yeah. that you were informed, that you yes. went two to three levels deeper, that you weren't just, like, that history, even just to rock a Stonewall shirt and know what it meant, that meant you had to be, like, a well-informed individual. Yes. Yeah, and I, I tell you, that took a lot of courage to, to drop that unity collection and the reason we did that we wanted to embrace the lgbtq community not just because there was no veteran brands out there doing it was it's close to home so chris our cmo his daughter is lesbian and she's a veteran she served my brother is gay my my ex you know my 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 kids my kids mom their aunt is gay so we we have so many family members from that community and we've lived that. And and I'll tell you, man, the first shit, my first 10 years in the military, I was I was homophobic. You know, I was in that lifestyle and you couldn't talk to me about LGBTQ stuff. I, I drank the Kool-Aid. I'm an operator and I don't have time for a lot of these things. And, and when my brother came out as openly gay to me, I was in Iraq. I'll never forget that. It just broke me down, man, and it, it made me rethink the way I was thinking. I said, you know what? What if I replaced my disdain for gays or people in the LGBTQ community with with a race? Like, what if I said I don't like black people or I don't like white people? And and to me, that was like the switch that said, you know what, Ruben, you are just like a hypocrite, man. So that that to to us that was personal. I wanted to represent represent that in, in our transformation, you know, and a lot of the guys on the team, we, we, we actively live that. Man, I think we all were, 
I think about when I was growing up, stuff that I said, but you didn't know any better, right? You just kind of mimicking your own personal environment. But I, I tell people this, right? Muhammad Ali said it best. A man who views the world at 50, the same way he did at 20, has wasted 30 years of his life. Facts. And so there is something to be said about having this growth mindset. And let's be honest, y'all. If you're an entrepreneur out there in the trenches, you're getting beat up left and right. I describe it as walking around with a bloody nose, you know, 99.9% of the time. You ain't got time to be worried about other people, you know, because our shit is hard enough as it is what's right in front of us. And so why we want to go out of our way to make anyone else feel less than. And so for our listeners that are tuning in, they're like, Mike, this is Dog Whistle Brandon, man. You must be talking about brand building. Why are you talking about, you know, all these sensitive topics? At the end of the day, we're serving people. That's people right. buy our products and our services. You know, don't fall into the trap thinking everything is a widget. Correct. You know, you the, you're, the people you're selling to, they're not widgets. They're human beings. They have feelings and emotions, et cetera. And I think what you guys are doing, you know, it's a dog whistle to me. Because as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, man, this is dope. And I was like, why do I not know about the triple nickel? See, now I need to start lever leveling up my own history. And I want to make sure I made space for you to come on and talk about the brand. And then also let us know, like, what's your BHAG? What's that North Star you're working towards? And as a community of listeners, how can we support and help you get there? Understand. So that, that's a I'm glad you asked that. So which this all ties in nicely. True story. It just happened last week. So in January 23, I already told you about January 2020. Ruben, Chris, Kurt, Rod, nobody knows how to make shirts. Nobody knows how to make hats. Nobody knows how to run a clothing company. We do it November 2020. I'm talking January 2023, okay? So this is less, in less than two years, you got four dudes, start a company in 60 days, don't know what they're doing. Fast forward two years later, we're distributed nationally, 600 stores goals online with a lot of great partnerships coming down the line that I can't talk about at the moment. And in January 23, we I'm sorry, in December 22, I had my strategy meeting with the guys and, and our strategy statement for the next three or five years is, you know, Triple Nickel will be the largest distributed veteran-owned apparel company in the nation. So everything that we do hinges off of that. You know, that's our strategy. So looking at, so that requires retail. You know, that's the implied tax. So when we're looking at it, I, you know, I said, you know, we need to be an APHIS. That's the bottom line. You know, we come, we're a veteran-owned brand. We need to be an APHIS. That's the number one place that we need to we need to target. So we focus on all our efforts to get to somebody at AFIS. <laughs> I was like, I don't care what we do. You know, we're SF guys. We will find a way to get to AFIS. So just this just happened like a couple of days ago. We're going in AFIS. So in 23, you will see triple nickel in AFIS starting online. And you're the first to hear. It. And then in 24, we're going into brick and mortar. So, you know, I say all that to say when I met with the the vice president of soft goods for AFES, the first thing she tells me, she says, you know, I speak or I, I, I lecture at the at North Texas University on the side, you know, with their MBA program. You know, I'm a mentor and we have we're having them do this project for AFES you know, kind of given ideas of, of if, if they were king for a day, queen for a day, what would you do to increase the level of diversification and products and goods that are in AFIS, you know, to help out and, and retain people coming and shopping with us? One of the students comes up to her and says, you know, what y'all need is triple nickel. I don't know if you've ever heard of these guys, but Triple nickel needs to be an AFIS. And sure enough, man, <laughs> we had a meeting with her a couple of days later. So we get on the call and she's like, good God, I finally get a chance to meet with you guys. People have been telling me about you guys. And it's a true story, man. And here we are. So 
all that to say, man, is if you have the tenacity, you have a dope strategy, you have a product with a good story, and you are living that authentically, it's going to hit with somebody. You guys got in the calls, too. We got in the calls. We're there. How did you, how did you facilitate that? Man, that was serendipity. So what does that mean, Ruben? Long story short, man, I go to high school with with a friend of mine. And that high school friend I invited to our photo shoot. When I told you about our strategy to launch Triple Nickel, part of that strategy is we had this party. We invited everybody to this to this beer pub here locally. Free beer, because that's how you get people there. Food, music, and we just hand out gear and we just have this photo shoot. We had all these people there. And this girl I went to high school with, she was there. And she she loved what we were doing. She works for Coles. I had no idea. I hadn't seen her in like 15, 20 years. So do the photo shoot. You know, we're going about our business that first 12 months. Little do I know, she belongs to this veterans focus group that is a part of Coles. And she starts telling everybody like, oh, my friend I went to high school with, they just launched this company. Coles needs this brand. They are dope. And for six months, she's just beating down the door. People are ordering stuff. Mean, meanwhile, it finally gets to the top person in this veterans focus group, gets our product, loves it. They send it to corporate. Corporate looks at our website. They look at our stuff. Oh, I really like these guys. Let me order some stuff. They love it. Coles contacts me and set up a meeting. They love the concept. I don't hear from them for like six months. We meet again and they're like, hey, this is a little bit of a short notice. You guys want to come in and be our spotlight for the 2022 Veterans Day, you know, spotlight. I said, fuck yeah, let's go. So this happened in February of 2022. We got invited. We had to ship out close to 30,000 units by August, okay, and have it ready. Let me tell you, so we are barely figuring out how to create clothing and how a clothing company works. Now we have to figure out how to be a distributor to a wholesaler. Bruh, that was the hardest thing, top three hardest things I've ever done in my life. So that's that's how Coles went down. It was, again, serendipity. You just never know who in life you're going to meet. So be good to people. Because you never know how they're going to affect you later on in your walk in life. And if it wasn't for my friend, Chastity, that I went to high school with, man, we wouldn't be in Coles today. 30,000 orders, man. That ain't no joke. And I be seeing y'all's Instagram. Y'all be back there folding, packaging. <laughs> we did it all ourselves, written. man. Everything ourselves, man. And, and you know, I, that is, I think that's what sealed the deal is when they saw, like, it took multiple meetings. Like, you, you, you go to business school or you go to, you know, whether it be undergrad or graduate school. And you you imagine yourself giving this pitch to this big company that is you have a lot. Right, that happened to us in real life. Like I'm here briefing these people like my life depends on it. And my guys are looking at me like, Ruben, you better not fuck this up. <laughs> <laughs> it's different skin in the game, though, because for Bruh. corporate, right, they just want to look good. Right. That's yeah. the thing for us. It's like our livelihood at stake. Yeah. And when I say that. It's not tongue in cheek because people people look at what we did and like, yo, y'all make it look easy. Let me tell you, man, we had to finance this ourselves. That's a whole nother conversation. Whole nother there conversation. Was, there was no bank. Let me tell you, you got four brothers with bad credit. All right. <laughs> and when I say that, it's tongue in cheek because you walk into a bank. Let's not talk. Let's talk. Let's be real. You you black or brown. You walk into a bank. and Nobody's going to accept that I have a purchase order from Coles. They don't care, you know, and you have no history behind it. So nobody's giving me money. Nobody's giving my partners money. 
So we had to bootstrap everything because we didn't get paid until 90 days after we delivered. And that's the that's the 90 days of death, man. That's rough, a long man. time. I try to tell listeners about, you know, a lot of times when you're on the outside, right, before you get some entrepreneurial experience, we always think these corporate entities are our perfect customer because they got these giant checks or whatever. You don't know that their terms are like 180 days, 90 days, you know? They're, they ain't worried about your little small rinky-dink business or early stage startup, right? They got bigger vendors that they need to pay before you, lawyers Correct. and all this other stuff. But this is something that you learn through experience, but sounds like y'all learn how to stay alive during those, those 90 days. Again, man, it's, it's tenacity. You know, if, if we... What we did and how we operate is something I don't recommend. It's not for everybody because, again, we are still running. I'm still running at a five minute pace. You know, the, 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 I can make decisions quickly because I have confidence in my abilities and my experience. We've gotten to the point where my partners trust me to make the right decisions that will benefit us in our legacy. But it's it's hard to do that if you don't have that experience. I'm not saying it can't be done, but when you're trying to move at a national level and distribute like that, it requires a lot of <laughs> it requires man it just it it requires a lot of everything, gumption, experience, financial backing if you don't have it because the moving pieces are ridiculous, man. So, yeah, that's 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 how we got into Coles, man. It was it, it wasn't it wasn't a I wish I had a better story like they saw us and they just fell in love with us. No, nah, man, it, 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 it all boiled back to relationships. That story you're telling about going out of five and having an experience. I was actually thinking about this the other day. So when you're a grunt or special ops, right, and you're kicking indoors and whatnot, what do they tell you? Main, maintain momentum, right? Because it's so easy to get tied down, people get stuck, and next thing you know, you're just laying in the tall grass getting ate up. But somebody's got to keep moving forward. You got to keep pushing. And it's never easy, though, right? Because you're just like, what am I supposed to do? Like, we're stuck. It's like, listen, if you don't maintain momentum, you're going to die. And I remember them always teaching that to us in the Marines. And then you get into combat, and you're like, oh, I see what they're talking about. Because yes. there's always something to just stall it out. But us as entrepreneurs, we got to keep moving. You know, got to keep moving, got to keep pressing action. That, that's, now, that's it, man. I want to say this, right? So I seen Ruben, when I saw Ruben and Mick, we start chopping it up, right? And I told him, I, to, I remember telling you this, I have an idea that I've always wanted to do is run a limited run beer paying homage to black veterans. Yeah. Right? Because you see a lot of these brewers, you know, they do these collabs and stuff and ever. And I'd always thought it'd be dope to do a collab paying homage to like, the Massachusetts 54th or the Harlem Hellfighters, and you call it a beer. Now we do the triple nickel. So I'm speaking it to existence. At some point in the future, I pray that we're able to do some kind of collab, even if it's a limited edition run or something, and we print, we, we do some beer and just have some fun. Hey, you, when, you know, whenever you're ready, I have the plug. I appreciate it. Yeah, we got that, all these veteran brewers across the country, right? Man, it, I, I tell you what, man, the plug I got, he's not even a veteran, man. He just loves, he's been a staunch supporter of our company since day one. And they are probably one of the largest brewers in South Texas. And, and man, couldn't, the nicest guy. So, and he wants to do something, he wants to do something with veterans so bad. So, yeah, man, when that sounds like a phenomenal idea. So, whenever you're ready, man. Let's do it. Let's go, man. Have a little story around it. And for me, like, I like, when I think about branding, it's not always monetary for me. It's more about, like, just seeing something that you came up when you're in your yeah. mind and seeing it out there in the wild, like my book or whatever, or this collab, right? I think it'd be dope. And that's, yeah. that's what fills my cup is creating this stuff. Correct. That, and same with us. Same with us. We, everything boils down to legacy when it comes to us. We... You know, I can only speak for myself, but I've lived such a rich life. I always tell family, I tell my friends, if I died today, I know I've lived a full life because 
I've done so much. And anything that we do above and beyond now is just adding to that legacy, man. So we obviously we're a business. You got to you got to focus on revenue. You got to focus on staying solvent. But it's not about the money. All right, Ruben, my man, I appreciate you chopping up with our listeners. How yeah, can man. people support Triple Nickel? Where can they find you? Everywhere. Triple underscore nickel. N-I-K-E-L. Check us out. All I ask is you give us a follow and just check us out. You know, maybe you like what you see. Maybe you don't. If you don't, let us know why. That's all I ask. I got a sick photo of me rocking a shirt at the Veterans Guns and Cigar event out in Vegas just after Mick, man. So it's got some dope apparel. Make sure y'all follow them on social and purchase some apparel, man. Let's show the boys some love. For all our listeners, too, I need you to do me a favor. Make sure you subscribe to the Dog Whistle Brandon newsletter at the link in the show notes. There's a topic you'd like me to cover on the show or in the newsletter. Shoot me an email at mike at weareironbound.com or message me directly on LinkedIn at Iron Mike Stedman. Till next time, peace, love. Have a great rest of your week. Dog Whistle Branding is brought to you by the team at Ironbound Media, where we blend strategy, storytelling, and podcasting to transform veteran-led brands into dog whistles for your perfect customer. We believe that audio is the future of publishing, and we're committed to leading the movement for the veteran entrepreneurial community. You can learn more by visiting our website, ironboundmedia.com. This series is powered by Flawless Acceleration, a new type of coaching organization blending the old school with the new school by providing one-on-one and group acceleration coaching to help you and your team win in business. We're not here to wear name tags, drink stale coffee, and sit in conference rooms telling each other how great we all are. You can do that at your chamber of commerce or some other networking group. We're here to fucking coach. We're proud to support veteran and other badass-owned businesses at every stage of growth. You can learn more and get more at FlawlessAcceleration.com. 